Pastor Chris's podcast. So this sermon series has been um, a time when we've compared the prevailing wisdom of the world with the way of Christ. And so far, that's mostly meant that we have contrasted what Jesus says to um, popular phrases or expressions in our world today. But today's message is a little bit different because what we see in this case is that people have taken what Jesus actually said and misconstrued it, misused it, confused it. And so we'll be talking about that. One of my pet peeves is when people misquote someone, especially on social media, because it's so broad, it goes out so fast, it, just, it, it spreads so fast, so quickly. You know what I mean? So for instance, um, the meme that is not on the screen, the meme of Abraham Lincoln, that's it. And he says, don't believe everything you read on the internet because it's beside a picture of someone and a quote next to it. So um, Abraham Lincoln. Well, Abraham Lincoln obviously didn't exist, didn't live during time of the internet. And I love that meme actually, because it kind of points out that it looks so official when you put those words next to somebody's face, somebody that you look up to, somebody who's important, you can put anything there and it kind of gives it some weight and some gravity to it. And what oftentimes happens is that people will grab a, a, onto someone famous and they will uh, put something, attribute something to them that they didn't actually say. This actually happened to me this week um, because I love C.S. Lewis. One of my favorite books is The Screwtape Letters. I think I've read it five or six times. And I saw a, a post with a quote from, supposedly from C.S. Lewis. And it's right here, but you can't really see it in the small print that's on there. But it's basically talking about how a demon could tempt someone by getting them to focus on politics and forget about their own inner personal life and focusing on that. And I thought, I saw that and I thought, absolutely, that's so true. That is so true. People today need to hear that because that's what's going on. And so I passed that along and then had some friends point out to me that that is actually not from C.S. Lewis. Although as I read it, it sounded so much like him and I could have swore I read that in the book, The Screwtape Letters, but it is not in there. And I researched it, found out it's not in there. And so I had to kind of change my post and, and kind of update it and say, this is not by C.S. Lewis. But it's so easy to happen. It can happen so quickly and so easy. And then of course, there's the ins more insidious form of this when people put out fake news, they actually will have a whole article um, about something and talking about it as if it were true, writing it in an article as if it were true and people take it without checking the sources because who has time to check the sources on all of these different things? You're bombarded by so, many, so much information nowadays. It's hard to keep up with what's true and what's false and what's somewhere in the middle. But many people misuse Jesus' words. I will never forget being a young pastor in a small church in Griffin and a lady stopped by the church seeking assistance with her rent. And I think this might have been the very first time 
as a senior pastor, I had to deal with a situation like this. Happens all the time, but this was the first time. And so the lady came in, she told a story about how she was down on her luck and she needed some help. She couldn't pay her rent this month, but probably would be able to do it next month if she could just get some help this month to get her by. Well, we were a small church on a typical Sunday, and this was pre-pandemic numbers. Um, on a typical Sunday at that time, that church had about 35 or 40 people in it. Our budget was very small, and we just didn't have a lot of extra funds to help. We certainly couldn't pay somebody's monthly rent. That just wasn't an option for us. However, I did think I could help her because my church treasurer worked for the Salvation Army just down the road. And I knew that they had a lot of funding to help with this sort of situation. And so I told the lady that my church couldn't help her, but I had a contact at the Salvation Army that could probably help her and was just in the process of beginning that when the lady jumps up and starts flying off the handle. She's, she's enraged and she storms out the door. And as she's going out the door, she says, the Bible says, do not judge. You don't need to judge me. And I, I was just caught off guard. Uh, how, what, what happened? I wasn't trying to judge her. Um, and looking back on it now, maybe, possibly, she'd already been to the Salvation Army and they'd turned her down. I don't know if that was the situation or not. We never had the opportunity to look at it. What I do know is I certainly wasn't trying to judge her. I was trying to help her and probably would have been able to help her if she had let me. But instead, she stormed out of the church and misquoted Jesus. Jesus did say, don't, or do not judge. He did say that, but it doesn't mean what I think this lady thought it meant. And it doesn't mean what most people in our world think either. So let's take a look at two things that Jesus said that on the surface appear to contradict one another, but I don't think they, they really do if you understand them and take them in context. So we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, and then Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. First, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Jesus said, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Now this, you know, I, I, I think there's probably a close competition. Not many people have memorized scripture. But if there's two verses that people have probably memorized, it's John 3, 16 and probably this one, because everybody knows that Jesus said, do not judge lest you be judged. Even people who don't really go to church and don't care about scripture or Jesus or religion oftentimes will quote this verse. But then there is Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, where it says, or Jesus said, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. And in the context of what Jesus is saying here, he is teaching people how to make good judgments about people, how to determine um, if they're someone that can be trusted or should be listened to or if they're doing the right thing. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, where Jesus says, do not judge, he's preaching against being judgmental. Being judgmental is rushing to judgment without reason. It describes someone who forms a lot of harsh, critical opinions about a lot of people. It describes the Pharisees of Jesus' day who tried 
so hard to follow the Torah perfectly and criticized anyone who didn't live up to their standards. They didn't believe that they were good people and they believed that they were um, not the kind of person you should associate with or hang around with. And their judgments are revealed their lack of love and compassion for people. The Pharisees saw themselves as better than everyone else. They were above everyone else. And they looked down on everyone else. And so Jesus preached, don't be like that. Don't be judgmental. If you spend all your, your time pointing out everyone else's problems, you won't take a good hard look at yourself and see all your own flaws for which you desperately need forgiveness and healing yourself. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people use the opportunity to point the finger at other people so that they never look inwardly. And they deflect anyone else who's trying to point the finger at them by pointing the finger at others. We live in a world right now that holds two values in the highest esteem, freedom and tolerance. These are not bad things in and of themselves. They're good things, but you have to use them rightly. So first of all, we value freedom. I mean, this is America. It's the land of the free. We want to live our freedom. And many times that means we feel that we can live however we want. And this is the 21st century. We don't need to confine ourselves to outdated moral constructs of the past. I mean, we don't need to try to squeeze ourselves into some moral uh, tube of toothpaste from 100 years ago. We can live, we know better than people did 100 years ago. We can live better and we can do things more now than they thought they could do then. As modern people who live modern lives, we don't want anyone telling us the way we live is wrong. We are free people. And that is the prevailing view or attitude in our times. Secondly, we value freedom, but secondly, we value tolerance. Because, we, because there are so many different people living different ways by different moral standards. Who is to say who is really right and wrong? So one of the great values in our times right now is that we must learn tolerance. We must be tolerant of people who are differently from us, who are different from us, who act differently from us, who believe differently from us. I let you be you. You let me be me. And that's not all bad, but it's ironic because many people who preach tolerance are sometimes very intolerant. They preach tolerance when it comes to their own behavior. Even if it offends the moral standards of someone else, they consider to have outdated morals. But when it comes to other things, they want to cancel anyone who doesn't live up to their own new expectations. So it's not so much that, that it's tolerance, it's, it's, it's tolerance of this, but intolerance of that. 
And so tolerance becomes a, a one-way street when you call them out, they want tolerance, but if they see something that they don't like, they will certainly judge it because it goes against their own moral standards. So people take Jesus' command not to be judgmental and they make it, don't judge me. And that's not what Jesus meant. Jesus never expected people to give up on thinking critically about what is right and wrong. Furthermore, he taught that we should look at the way people live and make informed judgments about whether it is good or bad. And since Christians live together in a community, it is actually necessary quite often that we look at one another and hold one another accountable. And in order to hold someone accountable, you have to make a judgment about whether what they're doing seems to be a good thing or a bad thing, whether it is a healthy thing or an unhealthy thing. We're called to help one another in this situation. And so Jesus teaches in Matthew 12, 33, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. Now, Jesus isn't really talking about fruit trees. He's using this as an illustration. He's saying, look at the results of a person's life. Has their work produced good or bad results? Have they made the world a better place or is the fruit of their life rotten? I don't ever want to come to a place where we just accept as truth Whatever most people say is true. That's not good enough. Let's always remember how to look at the facts, how to evaluate the situation and find the truth. That's what we need. And it requires that we make judgments. Jesus expects you to use good judgment. So don't ever let someone bully you by throwing up a misquote of Jesus in your face. Don't ever feel guilty for using your brain that God gave you to judge for yourself about a person or a situation. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He included your mind in that. So use your mind. And of course, of course you want to avoid a judgmental attitude where you think of yourself as being better than someone else. But you still need to make good informed decisions. And don't try to deny others the freedom to judge you either. Especially when you know them and you know that they have your best interest at heart. Isn't it interesting that we usually want to throw around Jesus' phrase, do not judge, in those moments when we are feeling someone is judging us or someone is inspecting us, someone is watching us closely in our behavior. All of a sudden, it feels uncomfortable and we want to say, do not judge. Someone says something we perceive as judge, judging and immediately 
we say, do not judge. Is that really the way you want to live your life? That you don't give permission to anyone to evaluate you and to give you constructive feedback? Is that healthy? Is that helpful? Maybe the person is sincerely trying to help you. You know, sometimes people see things about you that you can't see about yourself. I mean, think about it right now, physically in your sitting where you are, you're looking out. You can see everybody else. You can see what clothes they're wearing. Sherry's got on a nice polka dotted uh, shirt there. And, and Kathy, that's got a, got a purple blouse on. I can see all of those things. While I'm looking at all of that, I could have a huge coffee stain in the middle of my shirt and I wouldn't even know it's there. I'm not seeing it unless I do like this or I look in the mirror or as everyone else is seeing me so much more clearly than I see myself. And physically, if there was something wrong, if I had a big coffee stain, I would want you to let me know in case I didn't. Why not even more so when it comes to your personal character, your personal attitudes, uh, your behavior that you might not see If you are a Christian, you have committed your life to follow Jesus in community with other Christians who are there to help you and are there and you're there to help them as well. Part of the way that we help each other is by seeing each other's flaws and not being judgmental, but speaking the truth in love. Are you open to letting someone else tell you the hard truth that you need to hear? Are you able to prayerfully, carefully, lovingly tell someone else the truth in a non-judgmental way? We are called disciples. It's another word for Christians. Why? Because Jesus had 12 disciples. You know, those 12 disciples follow Jesus around all the time. They, they live together. They slept in the same places. They worked miracles together. They ate together. They did all those things. They spent so much time together. You know they had developed some seriously close relationships. I didn't mean that they always, you know, it was all happy, fun times. I mean, I can just imagine Peter really getting irritated by John because he could hear him chewing his food. And he can't stand that sound. Can he just chew a little quieter? <laughs> and you know, John was probably looking at his brother sometimes thinking, does he ever take a bath? I mean, he smells. We've been out here walking all day long in the sun and these sandals down these dirt roads and boy needs to clean up a little bit. It wasn't always happy and fun and good, but they had the kinds of relationships with one another. They could look at someone and say, John, would you chew with your mouth closed? And John might be upset about it for a day or two, but he wasn't going to run off and leave and be gone forever because they had a relationship that was tight. And they might get mad at each other for a day or two and then they'd get over it and they'd be brothers again. Well, you have to understand that as Christians in, in the family of God, in the community of faith, you have to develop those relationships to the point where you have the right to talk to one another 
about these important things. You see, someone who is your brother, your sister in Christ that you have a relationship with, you can talk to them about things that you can't talk to someone that's just walking down the road. You walk up to someone walking down the road and you try going deep with them and they're going to look at you and they're going to say, Jesus said, don't judge. <laughs> and they're probably going to be right. <laughs> but when you look at your brother that you go to Sunday school with or you have uh, a relationship at Bible study with or you've um, been there with them through thick and thin, you can talk to them about some things. And hopefully they can talk to you and you will receive what they're saying instead of saying, don't judge me. You know what I'm saying? Develop those kinds of relationships. Use your brain. God gave it to you. Make good judgments. And so as we close, I would like to lead you in a meditation to help you consider how you could let go of a judgmental attitude and also be open to making the right kind of judgments according to the spirit of Christ. So I want to invite you now to close your eyes. Don't go to sleep, but close your eyes and, and try to open your heart, open your mind to listen to what God might say to you through his spirit today. Ask yourself, do you think you are better than someone else? Who might that be? Is it the person that skipped church today while you are the one that were faithful and came? Is it the person who hurt you, betrayed you, or sinned against you? Are you better than them? Are you better than the younger generation? Because they're just a bunch of young whippersnappers. They ain't had enough time to live to really understand how the world works. And you're better than them, right? Or do you think you are better than the older generation? Because they live by those old-fashioned standards. They just don't understand how the world works today. Are you better than them? I want to invite you now to repent of your feelings of superiority. You're no better than anyone else. We're all sinners in need of God's grace. So take a moment to ask Jesus to forgive you and to let go of your judgmental attitudes. Now ask God to help you have good judgment. Ask him for wisdom to be a good judge of character, not as a way to feel superior, but so you will know who to trust and who to avoid.
Now, I invite you to ask God to give you humility so you can receive constructive criticism that might help you to grow as a person. Finally, ask God to reveal any ways that you may need to share constructive criticism with someone you love. Father God in heaven, gracious God, perfect judge, we lift up these, our prayers. We thank you for hearing. And now we surrender ourselves to you. In Christ's name, amen.